0: This week's episode of How They Train is brought to you by ASICS. Blast off to new personal bests in the brand new ASICS Metaspeed Sky Plus and Metaspeed Edge Plus colorways at ASICS.com. Welcome back to How They Train. I'm Jack Kelly and today I'm joined by Mikael Eden. Mikael is a triathlon coach whose reputation has become that of of legend in recent times. I'd say he's the brother of professional triathlete Gustav Eden and head coach of Lionel Sanders, Colin Chartier, and he's a coach of the Norwegian national triathlon team. Mikael, I've been honestly looking forward to this conversation for ages. Probably, probably about a month or two before you you started working with Lionel, I thought, oh, I'd like to talk to Mikael about about what he's doing because you've got this like little bit of mystique about you at the moment where. People hadn't really heard of you, and and now you're sort of one of the most in-demand coaches in in triathlon. Um, so yeah, maybe talk to me about about your about how you started um, working with the Norwegian national team, and then how you started working with like the big dogs like Lionel Sanders.
1: Um, so I was an athlete myself many years ago. It's uh, like nine, ten years since I quit. So I was on a national team in 2011, 2012, and into 2013. Ended up uh, quitting, uh, had some health issues. And then a year later, uh, Ariel Titan, sports director in the national team, asked me if I could, could help out in, on a training camp as a coach. And uh, I already started coaching one athlete, uh, Vettelbergsvik Viktor, and um, then the ball yeah started rolling so i was more and more involved in training camps and uh yeah in the summer of 2015 i became head coach in uh in norway's biggest triathlon co- club and um yeah that i was 21 years old back then so suddenly head coach in a club and working at the school as triathlon coach and and the last part of my job was to be uh coach on a national team and coaching a few junior athletes there and been doing that for five six years and then uh, just before corona came i wanted to have a a break uh, in that job and uh, gustav was qualified for kona so we had a plan that i would join him for uh, for his preparation for kona and i would travel with him then but then corona came and i continued in my job and then in two thousand and twenty one I ended up uh, stopping being the head coach and went with Gustav and I had like a, I had an ambition to become more known as a coach internationally and so joining Gustav or Cap was like a strategic move i would say uh, for for me and there I ended up meeting Lionel and yeah i I felt I could help him, so I started working with him, and we continued the tour with, uh, or I continued the tour with Gustav, uh, with world champs, and also his first Ironman. And um, yeah, since then I've been working with a few more athletes and been more involved with the national team now since uh, since New Year.
0: So when you um when you met Lionel and and felt like you could help him how did those conversations start how did how did it go from you being someone who felt like you could help him to you and him officially working together
1: uh like i think everyone watching his youtube videos feel like they can help him (laughs) (laughs) um so no we were going out for a ride me and gustav and then we saw him also starting a ride and then i said to Gustav, let's let's go back and have him join us for a ride and he had just done arm and Copenhagen, so he was, was a bit tired but he was uh was fascinated and then just told him i was a coach and we were starting joking a bit throughout the week that uh he was waiting for his training program and then uh the day after the race i said to him like if you're really serious about this let's sit down and have a coffee and talk about it and then um, yeah. when he came home we had a training plan ready and he, he went for it on, on, on an Ironman I can't remember I think it was Chattanooga maybe
0: and so when you were like when you on that ride and you go oh let's go back and, and jump in with Lionel what what was the conversations that took place like did you straight away sort of start sussing him out and trying to get a feel for if if he might be interested or or like was it just more a casual like friendly chat that progressed from there?
1: Uh I'm a bit more shy than my brother, so I didn't talk to him that much. But uh, yeah, he was starstruck of meeting Gustav, <laughs> so they mostly chatted in the start. And then I started talking to him more like when we had a meeting, so I didn't talk to him that much, actually.
0: And like with those conversations with him, was Christian with you on that bike ride, by the way?
1: No, Christian wasn't qualified for um for um uh colin's cup last year so it's only me and gustav
0: yeah so with those conversations where you're like riding along next to gustav and and lionel and you're an ex triathlete yourself who's moved into the coaching game are you sort of like have you are you so used to that world that that's not a weird scenario for you or, or are you still sort of riding there thinking like oh holy fuck i'm riding with the two best triathletes pretty much on on the planet right now
1: mm, i'm very used to being around gustav and christian like it, I'm not starstruck anymore. I had to like think, wow, these guys are actually the best in the world. Uh but like if you have seen a guy on on a TV so many times and then seeing a person in reality, I think you have some some sort of respect or but like when you sit down and have a chat, like he's a, a professional athlete like everybody else, so it's very natural to talk like sports and, and job.
0: Um uh, and then, um, like, so when it progressed, when the conversation sort of progressed, at what point did Lionel just, like, straight say to you, hey, like, I want you to be my coach? And and was there, like, specific things that, that he was, like, really attracted to in what you were saying? Like, were there specific um, ideas you had that that he really wanted to, to work with you because of those?
1: Um, he follows the sport, like, uh, his biggest idols are Gustav and Christian, it seems like so he follows them and naturally what i come what i'm coming with and and being part of that culture and that team for him that's like it's a quality marker um but we said like let's test it out uh let's see if it works uh when when we get home to our places because like starting out with a, with a long distance uh, coach, coaching relationship is not necessarily very easy so uh you you would need to to know the person very well and trust the person so we were like let's try and see see if it works um and and it did
0: so with um i mean like i i, I think the the thing people are most interested by with like the norwegian system at the moment is just like the like how scientific it seems and it seems like to a lot of the triathlon world you guys have found a secret that no one else knows about but then I talk to you know other other world-class coaches like I talked to Dan Lorang and, and Dan Plews and and they tell me like oh we're still like we know what everyone's doing they're, they're just not doing anything differently but but it doesn't seem like that to the to the everyday triathlon fan so can you sort of talk me through what it is you guys are actually doing and and is it different to what everyone else has been doing
1: um yes and no i would say um i think it starts with with i think it starts with the start basically so when the national team started back in 2011 uh, and 11 uh then all twight was like he was gathering uh all norwegian triathletes uh you triathletes to to start a team and and like gustav and christian are talented athletes but they they didn't show like gustav didn't show Show any promise of becoming world class athlete in the start, he swam like 14 minutes on an 800 meter, and like on every other national team, he would have been sacked, like he would never had the opportunity. Uh, but what it teached the uh, the culture uh, in both the the coaching group and also in the athlete group at, is that we need to work much more like in a controlled environment, more like harder and do everything more right because we can't have any coincidences uh at all um so we need to work much harder than everybody else because we are basically just five six seven athletes and maybe not the most talented athletes in the world Uh, with the difference like if you have uk or france or uh, us like there are so many athletes so when you can choose and just have 100 athletes in a in a group like one of them is doomed to to hit something and and do something right and be a really talented athlete but we we don't have that chance in norway and then of course it developed uh, over the years and like we started lactate was a big part from day one but for to controlling intensity and uh, it was really high volume and then uh, in 2016 olav alexander bu came into the team and he took Took uh, many parts of the the training regime to a new level when it comes to controlling intensity and and getting even more knowledge about every single part of of the training, uh, and he's been taking it to to a completely new level. So I would say what Olaf is doing, no one else in the world is doing, uh, but there is no like big big secrets in that way it's just that we have learned to work we we need to know what we are doing it's not like just do a long ride because you're doing a long ride because you heard it's it's smart to do but we need to know that this long ride fits in with the swimming fits in with the biking and it does exactly this for your system for the competition you are doing in so many weeks
0: so with that shift that you made when ulav came into the system prior to him being there how much volume were you guys doing when you say that you were just like a really high volume um, training group? And then did that change? Do you still do that same amount of volume and you're just a little bit smarter with where you put your sessions or where you put your long, long days? Or, or did he strip back the volume as well and you do a little bit less now and, and do some more specific targeted things?
1: Um, first of all, like if you do the same volume all the time, the volume would but. Uh, in a way decreased because you're not doing the same stimulus. So what he maybe come in came with when, was to, to shift a bit of the intensity. Some of the easier training became a bit harder. So increasing the intensity up to aerobic threshold and in a controlled lactate uh, zone. Uh, but like we have trial, had many trials and error in the like. Coaching juniors the last years, I would say when I was in the national team back in 2012, we did much higher volume. We did <laughs> two-hour swim sessions like every single day because you had the pool for two hours, so we swam for two hours, um, and everything was like this. But uh, looking back, we had many like interval sessions we failed because we weren't able to do it because we were so tired. Um, so, so the philosophy has changed and or developed many times. Though, if we talk like short distance and and um, and the national team, uh, we had had a, many of the new years, juniors have performed better than Christian and Gustav in the five k test and eight hundred meter test. Uh, but they have come from triathlon. But Gustav and Christian ha- had come from like swimming and cycling and had a bigger, let's say, base. Um, so now we see that, the, the, the junior triathletes that are triathletes from day one aren't as, let's say robust and fit as maybe Gustav and Christian was. Um, if that's, that's an answer for you.
0: Yeah. Without going too specific, it, it is like, cause yeah. there is like two, there's two like Ways you can talk about like your training philosophy, isn't it? There's like the specifics, and then there's like the big, broad like philosophies. And I guess that that there is more on the like the philosophy side of things. And, and so the obvious next question is, how does it practically work? Like, how does how does a training block look for you guys? Like, say for example, let, let's talk about the Ironman World Championships, or like you know a big seventy point three race um, that, that Gustav and Christian and and now Lionel are, are all preparing for. What does a what does a block into a race like that actually look like? How long is it? Um, how do you periodize it? You know, what are the specific sessions and and progressions throughout the, that block?
1: It's it's a good question because my answer is it will change for every single race uh, because you are at a different stage at every single build up and people saying that oh this two week build up I have. Uh, works every time or it's it's the best I've used it before and now I'm going to use it again uh, in our eyes that's 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 wrong uh, I would say I've done completely different build-ups with Lionel for every single Ironman because uh, because he's an, in a different stage at the build-up uh, and needs different stuff uh, so that's that's where our philosophy is that you look at the, how how the zones or and how the, what qualities the athletes have uh, when you start the build up, and you see, okay, we see that uh, the VO2 max is low or the LT1 is high, or uh, and, and, and you look at where you wanted to be in, in the race, and then you need to create a build up looking at where you are at this moment and where you want to be. So, for example, before St. George, I was uh, when making Lionel's training program, I looked back at the uh, the florida race uh he raced and uh, okay he did well there i'm gonna look at the the program and see what we did right and i can use the, that for this build up as well and then i was like oh i can't use, i can't use any of this because we are not at the same stage uh, and i know gustav and christian and and Olav has has also done the same they have the, because our training philosophy is only one year old when it comes to ironman training so we're still in, in a development phase of of what uh, what we need to do, and also for this for Kona already, I've seen that the build up we have done now it's good, but it's it's so much to improve in our build up. Like doing the PTO race was was in some ways stupid. Uh, I didn't want the athletes to do it, but but of course like publicity and. Uh, Uh, and the money for example for colin is was so important that we needed to do it anyway uh but but to to create a really good build-up we already have a a a new plan (laughs) that uh that we're going to use for the next race
0: with this build-up to the ironman world championships do do christian gustav and lionel all do really similar things like is it is it like tiny differences within like a system that's all very similar? Or if you looked at all three of those, those guys training programs, would you not even know that they're written by the same person?
1: Uh, the last one you said. So like uh, me and Olav are have been working a lot with the national team, uh, but I won't look much at what Gustav is doing as the respect for what they are working on. Um, Towards them and also towards where I am in my career. So, so I work together with them as a team, but also I coach competitors in this way. So when we get get back to to short distance racing, it will be different with the national team. But uh, I have intentionally not looked too much of what they are doing for this builder because uh, I don't want to to steal their philosophy even though i i work close with them um but i would say that parts of it is very much the same but also they didn't do the the last race that we did the pto open and from from my standpoint that changed very much in the build-up lionel and colin are doing now uh because we had to start earlier with the race pace specific uh, training because like we pre PTO open because there was no time for, for starting after the PTO open. It was only three weeks left, uh, so so it's hard to to answer the question more than more than that.
0: And to sort of full circle back to when you first started with Lionel, um, what were the things that you saw? In his training plan, or when you're watching his YouTube videos, where you thought like, "Oh, I can definitely help him with that." What mistakes did you think he was making? What things did you think you could implement? And then, when you started working with him, did you did you make those changes straight away, and and you saw instant benefit, or are you still seeing benefit from from the changes you did think you could make and 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 did think would help him?
1: Uh, I think one of the first thing I asked him about was. Uh... That was the year he did some like sprint distance olympic distance 70 for and an arm and build up uh, training some youtube videos and i asked him is this really what you're doing and he was like yeah i do this is what i do <laughs> i was like oh shit um uh, but i went through years of training in training peaks he's been really good at, at logging everything that he's been doing uh yeah, almost every year and writing comments. Um, but there was no like training plan I, I don't think his old coach made him training plans it was only like consultant work uh i think so so there was no like plan and structure and things uh but what I started with was basically he had a racing plan uh for the rest of the season last year and since there was so such a new relationship i was like okay we we do what you want for the racing plan but i control all the training so it was it was straight into working at on what I saw he was missing in the races he didn't do uh, or the races he had done and and just see what he, he missed in the training and what qualities he was missing. And that was basically Ironman specific work because he's been working so much on, on high intensity. So when he was, for example, saying in a video he did 40 minutes of on 400 watts, he wasn't doing 40 minutes on 400 watts he was doing short intervals that totally made up for uh 40 minutes so so it was very much very like strange training i would say uh but circling back to your question is that he's he have been doing a lot of things right throughout his career but he has had different phases and and like one bad race would change a lot of things uh but now from my co- coaching standpoint is is to do one more thing right all the time. So nail nutrition because a bad Ironman, like you're not necessarily in a bad Ironman shape because you do a bad race. It could just be that you fail nutrition. Uh, So getting everything under control, like, okay, we know that we did this much nutrition. So that, that thing is right now. We did this amount of fluid for this race. So that's okay now. And we did this training, so that's okay now. And then aerodynamics and then like all the small parts. And then in the end, you're sitting with with a good result that everything is more and more optimized. So it's not like any big mistakes left.
0: And so with this build into the Ironman World Championships, say compared to to Lionel's last builds, um, particularly like into Kona, what what, are like, what I know you've said that like one of the big differences is that he's doing more Ironman specific stuff, I assume, across all three disciplines of the sport. So what does like, what does an actual training week look like for Lionel in this build? Like maybe even a specific week? What does like the structure of the week look like and, and how much volume is, is he doing and how many sessions is he doing? and like what, what intensity are those sessions?
1: Uh, um, like his volume hasn't actually been that high Uh, one problem with St. George race and I felt that straight away after the race is to was that we didn't push it hard enough in the training leading up Uh, and and like a coach athlete relationship what is to talk the same language and that doesn't mean Norwegian and English it means more like what is tired what is fatigued what is I can do more like what do you as an athlete actually mean and what what is my as a coach understanding of the word tired and uh like he can say he like an athlete can say he's tired but he still does all the training really well are you then tired (laughs) so and there for example hrv uh i think we need to use even more now to 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 have a number on it because Lionel could can always do the training if 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 he wants to but it's not always the smartest thing to do and that I saw very much into St George afterwards that we had to play it on the safe side because I was sitting in Norway writing training programs and he was in the US and I've never been with him on any training camps or anything and that's that's what I'm doing now I'm I'm with him on training camp actually seeing him and getting more experience in how he does the training um, and that's a bit, really big part of on how you can can also write the training and and start to to know how he is cu- like the athlete is communicating back at you like if the, this athlete means tired it means that it's okay but if the athlete is in a bad mood on messages or never answer that means something else so it's about learning all those those things
0: and uh, just yeah, just to circle back to that, like, yeah, have have Lionel's big weeks all been done, or has he still got some to come?
1: Uh, we had a big week before, uh, like the week before, so two two weeks ago, like before uh, PTO open. So that was the biggest week; It's the biggest week he has had with me actually, uh, and it's not that much in training hours. It was just over thirty hours, but there is there was. A lot of intensity like uh, threshold work uh, in both uh, disciplines and and in that week we had also two race specific sessions so it was like two recovery days and then uh, the rest was was a big day so we have made a little bit different cycle for this or for the the, the, the last three weeks uh, we had towards uh, Pito open uh, i'm not sure if you want to do the same cycle for a new race but for this race it worked out okay or we don't know that yet for Kona we'll see about it but uh, so far it worked okay.
0: And what is that cycle when you say that you, you're you doing a new cycle what exactly do you mean there?
1: Uh, so for this one we we wanted to have a little bit higher volume so we had one day with, uh, with threshold work and then we had a volume day and then we had one day with With threshold work again, so maybe the first first day was uh, swim and bike, and the second threshold day would be would be run and swim, and then we had a easier day, and then we had um had a like race pace day, so that would be a longer bike session with uh, either like race intensity or race pace, and then also a run, so so long brick, uh, and then we would have an easier day again. So that would be be six days, which we, we did a few times.
0: And with those like, um, really big race specific bricks, what did they look like for you guys?
1: Um, so it's normally like in an Ironman up, we have normally done around four hours, so maybe starting at a bit lower than four and then building up to a bit higher than four hours on the bike and also building up the specific, uh, the, the work where, what we do, um. So we haven't done this this time, but before we have done four hours at, at Ironman pace on the bike with a little bit of warm up and cool down. And then it could be building up from 90 minutes, uh, 90 minute run up to a two hour run. Haven't done much more than two hours before. And that could be some like 35, 40 minutes intervals with, with uh, Ironman intensity marathon. Um, so it's, it's a big day, but so you're, you're basically doing a, doing an Ironman in practice, but you, you get good at what you practice, I guess.
0: And how many weeks in a row would you do that kind of thing where you're doing like a, almost an Ironman, um, you know, uh, bike and run in training?
1: Um, we have done around at least three treats of those sessions in, in buildups before, Uh, building up and then building down again so but again like this build up here is not a perfect build up i would say because of the pto open and i would really like to do something different for a new race uh and it looks like both of them like uh, colin and lionel is doing one more ironman this year we'll see so then we can try a different build up for for that race without any uh disturbances um but if you get a few of those sessions in and um, then you, you see about what level you are on for, for, for competition.
0: And early you told that story about how Gustav maybe didn't, didn't seem naturally that good, but he's gone on to be probably arguably, arguably the best middle distance triathlete to ever live. Um, like so much of this like success that the Norwegian team just seems to be from pure hard work and like dedication to the sport. Like, a lot of the professionals that I talk to will say this thing like, oh, I'd love to have the success that the, Nor- that the Norwegians have, but I'm not willing to to live the lifestyle they do where their life is triathlon. They, they do big training weeks, you know, all the time. It's like science. They're away on training camps pretty much all year round. Have you brought that philosophy of like, dedicating yourself completely to it and, and working both like a little bit harder than everyone else, but maybe also a little bit more scientifically than everyone else to, to your other athletes that aren't in the Norwegian team.
1: Um, I wouldn't accept not doing it as good as possible, um, for the athletes. So like you, it's it's not an option to fail on nutrition more than once. It's not an option to fail on on recovery things or or training sessions. So I think the it's a cultural thing that that uh, will like step down from for what the, the training program I'm sending out and and uh, what I speak to my athletes about. Uh, I hope so at least, uh, and they start to take more responsibility because. Like the training itself is not like it's, I guess it's a bit special for a few athletes uh, or coaches, but I think it's the, how you, how you do the program. It's, that's what I say to the athletes, how you do the program is actually the program. Like if you get this lactate value, what, what, what do you do with, with this value? If you feel like this and and you see the heart rate is like this or the power is like this, what do you actually do? Uh, what uh, what choice will you make if you if you feel bad this day or good this day? And, and that is the philosophy. And that's where Christian and Gustav, they have been living this philosophy and also developing uh, the training for so many years. That, that's the reason why they are on, a, on a, such a high level. And like Gustav is a talented athlete. It's not that that's what I said, but uh, he would have never been accepted onto the national team in any other nation because he was such a bad swimmer and he didn't get good results because he swam too bad. But in the National Federation, we would see past that. We would see the potential in him when he nails the swimming, he will become a really, really, really good athlete.
0: I'm just taking a quick break to give you my long-awaited ASICS Metaspeed Sky Plus review. I've been so eager to try the Metaspeed Sky Plus because it's on the feet of what seems to be half the pro triathletes in the world. And when you see a shoe on the feet of athletes, especially professional athletes who are winning big races, it just makes you like really want to see what it's all about. I've used the Metaspeed Sky Plus now in pretty much every way you can outside of an actual race. The big positives with the shoe for me are that uh, compared to other modern day super racing shoes, it doesn't feel as soft and spongy and alien. It still feels like it's making me run much easier, much more efficiently, but without the really unstable, soft feeling of other brands' racing shoes. Ironically, this is both the Metaspeed Sky Plus' strength and weakness. I found that when running fresh, not off the bike in sessions, I craved the softer, spongier, bouncier feel of other shoes. But when I was doing hard runs off the bike, or any runs off the bike for that matter, I really loved the firmer, more stable, but yet still really efficient feel of the Metaspeed Sky Plus. I'd heard a lot of people talk about how you feel like you run with a bit of a faster cadence in them compared to other brands' race shoes, and it is true. Well, I don't know if it's true that you actually do, but you really do feel like it. Again, particularly running off the bike, that is. Sometimes I feel like other race shoes really load up and and therefore beat up my quads and hammies off the bike, whereas I feel the Metaspeed Sky Plus allows a bit more load to be taken by my calves, which off the bike makes me feel much fresher, like makes me feel really poppy, and and it makes the first few kilometers, but particularly a few kilometers into the run feel much easier. In conclusion, I will use the Metaspeed Sky Plus for my next triathlon. I think it's hands down the best racing shoe I've tried when running off the bike at this stage. I think particularly over the Ironman 70.3 distance where you're running at that sort of like threshold or tempo-y pace, um, but I would be keen to try it in a sprint or Olympic distance triathlon too. I still think if I was running a pure running race, like a half marathon or a full marathon, not off the bike, I'd have to do a few more sessions in it versus other brands racing shoes because that sort of sluggish slash beat up feel of the other shoes that I get off the bike doesn't occur anywhere near in the same amount when I'm fresh. Um, So I'm not saying I wouldn't use it for that, but I really do want to do a few more sessions. All in all, I honestly was bloody impressed with the the Asics Metaspeed Sky Plus and it's going to be a staple in my, in my shoe rotation going forward now. Um, I'm going to use it in pretty much every session I ever do off the bike. It just makes you feel so good. Um, and like, I feel like I get less beat up from it. So yeah, I'm excited about this shoe and I can't wait to race in it. I want to get into the specifics of like you know, who's going to win Kona, Gustav, Christian, is it Lionel, is it someone else and and ask you about the race dynamics. But just quickly before we get into that, how hard is it for you like um, trying to coach a guy in Lionel who's trying to beat Gustav, who's obviously your brother and you're really close with him, and have a in, like a pretty vested interest um, in how he goes in his career. And like Do you, when you're standing there, like, or when you're thinking about the race or when you're standing there watching the race, are you thinking, I really want Lionel to win this or Colin to win this? Or are you thinking, I really want Christian or Gustav to win this?
1: Uh, I think I'm a very like, um, uh, neutral person, I would say, uh, very fair person. Um, so I, I I don't care. like. Of course, I w- I want all of them to win. I would say. <laughs> um, so, for example, for Saint George, Gustav got sick, and uh, of course, I wanted to support him as good as possible. But Christian still still was racing, so I I would s- go to the hotel with Christian, and and I would support him all day long, and uh, and also Lionel was in the course. Um, so for me. I think I put my job first as a neutral person and not let emotions like get away. I'm not like yeah, the guys who party the most or like yeah, go go crazy when there is good results. So uh, like on race day, if you see one of the guys is really like he's on fire and he really deserves it, then that's what it is.
0: And so another thing I want to touch on quickly, just because you brought up the partying thing and it's something that that we have talked about like quite a few times on this podcast with other people but I've never talked to anyone actually involved and it's like it's it maybe it speaks to what you already talked about it's like the culture of the team which isn't really something that that is in triathlon it's like a very individual sport where people's lives like the individual racing their their lives and everyone in their lives revolves around them whereas you guys have this team and, and you build a culture of like hard work and doing things right and and not doing like the wrong things either so like I've talked to people and it's like well the Norwegians don't really come to the after parties and get pissed with with everyone else um, after the races they sort of come and hang out for a little bit and then they then they they're gone and and they're on to the next thing is is this like do you think that like because of you, like you guys doing this that other nations and other groups are, are going to adopt this approach where it's like a it's like a more like a professional sporting team like a little bit more advanced than what triathlon has been in the past uh
1: i think a good story from this is like w- we set ourselves new goals before the first goal is already achieved uh so for example in in after the olympics i was in the swimming pool in bergen uh where where the Norwegian team is based I would say but they're never at home <laughs> and uh, a lot of swim coaches come ask me and like wow Christian because everyone knew that they, Christian was going to do Ironman straight away and Gustav was going to also do Ironman and I was like wow how how come your athletes uh, want to do this already like my swimmers they, they go on vacation after Olympics because they were so tired and I said they already had this goal long before Olympics. So it's so natural for them to already start working hard for the next event. And and that's where I think it's it's all about like having goals and the goal is bigger than anything else. So like going on an after party doesn't make sense because you're already on to the next race and the next race involves recovering and training. So you can't be there.
0: And then on that, um, do you guys like focus on everything? Like, Are you... Are you a team who are all about all of the tiny details? Do you care about like every single thing that that the athletes are doing to, to get the best out of themselves? Or are you more a team that's like, hey, we really want to nail the training and then that training consistently being done exactly how we want it done over time is what get the, gets the results. Because another thing that people always talk about and and I've, I've always wanted to talk to, to someone involved in the camp is like people talk about Christian's weight all the time and they they talk about him being like fat for a triathlete. And it's sort of like I've always wanted to know because he's the best triathlete in the world right now, but then you have people who are saying that he, you know, he's eating junk food and, and doesn't look like a triathlete should look. Where do you guys sit with, with all the, the tiny little details that go into performance that aren't training?
1: I hate people to say that this, uh, say that Christian is, uh, fat, uh, it's like keyboard warriors, I would say. So if you meet him in person, he's not a big fat guy. Uh, he got a big chest and um, he got big lungs in there. So and if you look at how many fat like percentages he's having, it's not it's not uniquely high for a triathlete, I would say, at all. Uh he's like differently built. Um so I, I think it's it's ignorance uh and like uh, I would say old philosophy that that's uh People are stuck with that. Sees that uh this this body type is is the biggest thing. Like if you look at cycling, twelve years ago they didn't. They only eat white bread and and suddenly Neos came in or Team Sky came in and they had did warm up and cool down and eat pasta and, and chicken. So I feel a little bit that's where we are at. Like and also building or doing the the most important stuff, which which is the training. I
0: think that's um like like really relevant because triathlon's a weird sport where, you know, there's like a, a bit of a thing going on at the moment where Sam Laidlow talked a little bit of shit to, to Sam long and, like a lot of triathlon fans were like up in arms about it, like a higher percentage than what you would see in a usual sport. And we're like, oh that's wrong. But then at the same time they'll they'll start commenting on Instagram or talk about how Christians Christians fat. And it's it is quite it's quite weird how they're okay with saying this one thing and and then not the other. And and I've only ever seen Christian once in person and, and I had these ideas in my head because I think largely because of the rhetoric around what people say about him, but he's actually tiny in person. Like you look at him and you're like, oh. He's like he's quite short, and he's like he's not fat at all.
1: Yeah, like I, am, like all elite athletes are pretty small. <laughs> that's that's mostly the the summarise. But I remember I was in a World Series back in two thousand and fifteen, and saw Alistair Brownley for the first time, and he looks not massive, but he looks like really big compared to a lot of the other guys. And I saw him in person. I was like, wow, I look big now because he's actually pretty small. Um, but I think a lot of things are built up on not having an understanding of elite sports. Uh, and like, okay, you have done elite running like nationally or you have done elite swimming nationally. It doesn't mean you have done elite sports at the high performance level. Uh, so I think people have, uh, like, I would like to invite people just to look at Gustav at a training camp uh, during the winter. It's It's so extreme. Uh, that i sometimes have to pinch my arm is this really possible to to be able to live this life i made a video on on youtube about it which is is it's ridiculous how how dedicated uh, they are like it's only sleeping eating and training and uh, what i've seen with so many athletes is it's the one percenters makes such a big difference if you're able to train one hour more each week or two hours more each, each week it's actually pretty difficult, and and there is big gaps between elite athletes. It's not that I'm I'm saying that other athletes are not good uh, and not doing everything they can, but the small percent makes such a big difference in in the long run. Uh, so you see, like I think Magnus Dittler, for example, is a, is a guy like this. Jan Frodeno, Alistair Brownlee, a lot of these guys are there. Um, but to to do that one percent extra all the time, it's really tiring. Like on that train on my training camp this winter, I had to look over Gustav all the time and say, "Put put away your phone. You'd have to rest now because you have a session in two two hours." Uh, and to be able to do that all the time, it's 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 crazy hard.
0: With um with Christian and Gustav and and like you being a part of that team, and now you taking everything you've learned from being a part of that team and your own training to, to guys like Lionel Sanders, who has come runner up at the Ironman World Championships twice. What are the key things that aren't like, apart from apart from making the training more specific, what are the key things that, that you guys think uh, make someone a good Ironman athlete as opposed to being a good sprint distance athlete or a good, Um, olympic distance athlete or a good middle distance athlete is there like specific things you do in training um to to prepare for an ironman world championships that aren't just you know well we do more at like at ironman race pace pace, as opposed to at a different race pace
1: Uh, i think it's hard to answer on a general level because for example lionel he he would never do well in a short distance because he can't swim um so it's a difficult question to answer like your your threshold values let's say will be important for every single distance you do uh but for some athletes like the threshold maybe is like in short distance and super league sprints like maybe the threshold level or and capacity there isn't that important because they can get away with a really high like vo2 max or like speed qualities uh but our like our uh philosophy has always build been to build like the threshold speed and the capacity there. And if you're really good at that, like you would do well in most distances, but you would need some special work at least for a few weeks or a few months to to change distance.
0: And now maybe like a, a few few specific questions about the race. If you had to if you had to go out in a limb and, and not give me the the generic answer of you can't pick. Who do you expect to win the Ironman World Championships?
1: Um, I think it depends on on the wind a bit. Uh, if it's no wind, uh, I would say Christian is the favorite. If there is a lot of wind on the bike, I would say Gustav is slightly ahead of Christian. Uh, and then on, on the places behind, like Magnus Ditlab, he looked really calculated and smart in PTO Open. Uh, talking to him in, in Norwegian and Danish, he's a really, really cool guy. Um, so I think he will do well. He, he's got a good future in front of him. And then, of course, I hope that my guys with Colin and, and Lionel will be be up there. Um, so like one, one or two or three guys will have a bad day and, and one guy will have a phenomenal day when it comes to all the favorites, and, and you can't not have Patrick Lange up there also. Um, but for the rest of the guys, it's hard to to say who who will do well. Like if there is a St. George race again, like the front pack uh, working together and going going all in, it, it could be difficult for some of the guys behind, but I don't see the front pack, uh, if there is a similar front pack as St. George, will will be able to run fast enough. Um, but it's it's hard to predict, of course.
0: Do you sort of see it the same way a lot of people see it, where it's it's going to be Christian and Gustav. It's just which one of them, and then everyone else might be fighting for for third, fourth, and fifth place.
1: I would rather say you fight for second place um in that sense. Uh, but they can have bad days also, and uh, like they have never been to Kona before, uh, never been in the conditions, uh, never done the race, uh, but. Like they also showed like they can do the preparations without knowing or have been through it before. Um, so, but for St. George people got sick uh, and everything, but I would say like the two Norwegians are the two favorites uh, looking at the previous result the last year, uh, but there is a few guys that can can challenge them. Like, and, and if the race goes uh, with a lot of wind um, a lot of things can happen.
0: Physiologically speaking, is there much that separates Gustav and Christian like if you looked at them as as athletes that are that are just their numbers and are just their physio physiology, is one of them the clearer like the the clear better athlete, or are they very, very similar because they've been doing like the same training under the same system for so long?
1: uh I wouldn't say there are very similar athletes um like all uh i i will answer you you soon but um like i see now with Lionel and Colin they are completely different persons or, or bodies they they need different stimuli like Colin would need uh more steady working to get his like lactate values down but Lionel would need to have a bit higher intensity to do well for for uh, for ironman so and that also goes for Gustav and Christian they have different systems and different qualities uh, in their body Um, and Christian is is a slightly better athlete I would say especially for uh, if you look at numbers but if you look at for example Gustav have looks like a better like muscular endurance it could seem like Christian has struggled with cramps a few times and Gustav is also like a better technical athlete when it comes to to the bike and, and those two aspects make them very similar in uh, result-wise uh, when you look at long distance. Uh, but if you look at like pure qualities, they are quite different athletes. I
0: always look at Gustav and Christian and think like, well, Gustav is never beating Christian when it really counts over like a sprint or Olympic distance. It just It just feels like Christian is always going to beat Gustav there. But then it it also looks like Gustav is never going to lose to Christian over like a true um, Ironman seventy point three distance race. It's just the Ironman that we don't know. Maybe they haven't gone head to head very many times, and they actually haven't done that many that many Ironmans. Um, I always assumed that. That like when like I thought going into St George that Gustav was just going to win it easily. I thought the course suited him perfectly. I didn't see how he didn't come out. in Like I thought he would have come into T two. Like he might have even caught that lead group. I I felt like that course just just suited him perfectly. And and but then and I thought maybe Christian wasn't going to have that day. I I didn't know whether whether the Ironman distance suited him. And then we go on to see him have one of like the all time great Ironman performances. Do you sort of agree? that it, it just seems like on their day, Gustav is is probably you, like always going to beat Christian over the 70.3 distance. And and therefore, do you assume that if they're both as fit as they can be um, on the start line in an Ironman, that, that it probably suits Gustav more? Or is it not the case?
1: Mm, I think Christian got the advantage. Gustav will all, like, so far, he got the uncertainty in the swim. So Gustav is always like... Ooh depends on the swim or what if he swims like this or what if he swims like that. Uh, I think like Gustav didn't show up for St. George, so so he so he, he couldn't win the race. That's how easy it is to to say about that. Uh, but Gustav have beaten Christian in in Olympic distance racing in in the um, in the World Cup in 2018, I think it was, or 19, he ran away from Christian and Jonathan Brownlee. So Gustav have been doing really well in Olympic distance or short distance scene, but it's just like the, the um, it's so close racing that like slight bad day or a bad swim makes up 10 places because that's half a minute or one minute, even though your performance is really, really, really good. Um, but I think uh, it's all about the course for Gustav and Christian. Gustav will do better in a like bike technical course, uh, like for example Edmonton, where Christian had troubles with his his muscles, uh, and I would think that was the bike. And also for St. George's 70.3 Worlds last year, I think Gustav would have won it if Christian didn't have a technical, he was already 40 seconds behind and would have lost more on the bike. Uh, and Christian wouldn't have made, made up, let's say, one minute or 90 seconds on that run. So... Uh, and then Christian was better than Gustav at, uh, at Collins Cup, even though you can't compare the results because there were much more wind when when Christian was done with the bike, there was more and more headwind for the rest of the for the heats. So uh, it's hard to say. Like Christian is the the beast of an athlete at the moment. He's won Olympics and 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 all the other results. Um, so it's 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 just gonna be really exciting to see this race if Gustav is actually at the same level or Christian is it's really better.
0: And um, a question about like specifically preparing for the Ironman World Championships. You guys seem to be um, a a program that goes and spends a lot of time at altitude. Um, So like the first part of my question is, do you like, is that a part of what makes what you guys do so, so special? Like is altitude training a big part of what you guys do? And then the next part of my question is, there's like a lot of talk that you can't do altitude training and heat training at the same time. But but everyone seems to agree that to win Kona or to be, to be uh, competitive in Kona, you have to have done a heat training block. How do you guys decide in the lead up to Kona, uh, where are we going to do our big main block in the lead up? Will it be at altitude? Will it be at heat? Will it be at, at, at altitude with heat? Um, how how do you make those decisions, and what do you think is is the most important part to, to be the fittest you possibly can at Kona? Uh,
1: if you're an athlete, then gonna train some anyway. Why don't train at altitude because it's an advantage, um, physiological advantage, and for for the national team it's like we need to be a lot of on training camps, and then it's natural to just go to to Font-Treme, for example, or Sierra Nevada because it's a it's a good place to train, and you also get the altitude benefits uh, so i would say that's one of the big parts of it and uh there is a there is a few research on on heat training and it's done uh, in different ways so hard to say what is heat training and what is just heat adaptation or heat preparation um and i guess there like the christian winning olympic goals is uh with a uh, altitude block and heat block shows that uh, there is in some way, possible to combine, combine it.
0: And so, what, what, where have you guys trained with Lionel um, in the lead up to Kona? And and is it the same places as where Gustav and, and Christian are? Uh,
1: no, Lionel is in in Tucson, so I'm I'm here in Tucson now. I've been for uh, for two weeks now. Um, so I would really like Lionel to to join uh, uh, altitude camp somewhere. Colin has done a lot of altitude training throughout the years. He. He had been born almost in altitude and uh, has been in Ecuador and, and Colorado and, and all over the place training in altitude. I think that's a good good thing to bring with you in, in as an athlete and, and you adapt quicker and quicker every time. Uh, and we saw that with Lionel this summer he tried altitude. And but it's it was it's too difficult to know what let's say went wrong with the, with the training there because he was alone. So to create a, for example, a, um, a camp environment uh, next year with with Lionel and Colin and a few other athletes would be in altitude would be uh, a next step for 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 Lionel, for example, in his development.
0: So you want Lionel to be at altitude in the in the lead up to Kona, but is it that he doesn't want to be? Um,
1: he's a guy who likes routines and, and being at home with his dog. And, and wife, um, so we have to to work on it to to get him to uh, to a different place. But he's he's starting to prepare his mind for doing something else uh, next year. So it's a work in progress.
0: And just back to a couple of like really specific training questions. Um, I, I don't think you ever actually said, but in the lead up to like a key race, Ironman World Championships, for example, what is like? Do you guys like work off a specific time frame you need to get ready for a race. Like, do you go? Oh well, Ironman World Championships are in in twelve weeks' time. That's the perfect amount of time to to train for that. Or do you not really think in that way?
1: Uh, I would say no. It's impossible. And like this year, it's two world champs in the same year. And for example, World Series is now ending in November instead of October. Uh, especially now with corona everything has shifted so much that to be set on on a way of working would uh, be digging your own grave i think
0: and then like another specific training question obviously you guys have made lactate um like using a lactate monitor and and checking what your lactate is during training like you've made that so like such a part of triathlon culture and 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 like almost folklore at the moment, it's like the Norwegians and lactate. And now so many different pros have gone out and got lactate monitors, and and so many age groups, age groupers, like want to talk about and hear people talk about lactate in training. How do you guys actually use lactate in your training, and how important is it to your system?
1: That's the secret.
0: <laughs> you can't tell that.
1: Uh, no, I, I was. I said a little bit about it uh, earlier in the episode. That uh, how you how you in, how you look at the number and how to uh, what's the word um, like make that work. like if you you look at the lactate number, looking at heart rate and power and speed and. And how long the interval was and out of all that information you get uh, the result of where you want to increase or decrease the, the intensity or like output let's say
0: do you think that like because of you guys using lactate so much do you think that in five years time just every single person who who wants to win a world championships or every national team will just be using it as part of their training
1: uh, it would be strange if they weren't. Um, then you would need to be a freak of a talent that, that, that don't need it uh, in some weird way. Uh, um, but I, w- I would say like we don't do coincidences, and that's the big difference. Like you you can train without lactate. And you see a lot of good training groups with uh world champions don't use lactate. Uh, but they are already pretty good talents, and the training is prescribed through maybe a feeling of how it's supposed to feel and and you can do that in some way uh but it's but it's hard to let's like prescribe the feeling maybe uh it takes time and then everybody will do the same thing and and it would work for one out of 100 i would say uh but that to make the training work out for like 99 out of out of 100 i think lactate uh would be a big part of of calibrating your your feelings and system and training zones
0: and um with your a few more like specific questions with with your cycling and how you prescribe your cycling training how much i'm, I'm asking this probably mainly because of lionel sanders he, in his youtube videos he would always be seen to just completely ride indoors whereas you watch like Christian and Gustav's, and they don't really seem to be doing much of that. They they show it a little bit, but most of their riding seems to be outdoors. Do you do you prescribe like most of your cycling training as outdoor riding, or, or are you doing a lot of indoor training that we just don't see?
1: Mm, that's some of the things I have to work with online, or is to do more outside. Um, but it's not a right or wrong like. Gustav and Christian are in places where it's nice and good to train outside and, and Lionel isn't always very good to ride outside here in Tucson. Uh, so it's not like I say that this needs to be inside or outside. Some of the sessions I say like this maybe it's best to do on turbo, this is maybe best to do outside. Um, but yeah, if that's a good enough answer for you.
0: Yeah, read, um, read the reason why you would ride more outside. Is it... Is it because of things like we saw with with Gustav at the the Ironman World Championship uh, seventy point three World Championships last year, where he got away because of the way he rode the course, like he rode so fast on that downhill and and put like a minute or a minute and a half into most people just in this one downhill section? Is it like that kind of thing, so that you can develop technical skills and and be able to ride a course fast, or is it like specific power things and? and like adaptation things that that make riding outside more important, like is it is it harder to go um, from riding exclusively indoors and like having a wind trainer help you push the power to then go and do the same thing outside?
1: It depends a bit on like what gearing you're doing on your turbo also, uh, but everything you said like with the technical aspects and, and also like ride for speed instead of ride for power. Uh, is important stuff and uh, like Lionel is known to be a very good technical athlete so for him it would make sense to do do more of the technical riding outside Uh, but for Kona it's basically only one one turnaround and then you you head home so then it's not that important for, for that event
0: and with your, with your guys running, um, I, when you were sort of talking about your schedule before where you would do like a threshold day, a volume day, a threshold day, an easy day, and then a race pace day with your running on like those threshold days or those volume days, what does that look like? We, we talked about what you did on the, the race specific day and what the run might look like there, but, but what does your run training look like for the rest of the week?
1: Um, uh, it's mostly like easy running uh, for a guy who can do 100k a week it would be easy training so you so make it 100k basically or if you are a person that could do 70k then you have to to adjust the volume a little bit uh, but that's what's like hard with the coaching part is like the the the, um, the cyclists you just mentioned it, it would make sense for some athletes and it would not make sense for all athletes because uh for some athletes easier jogging would be more important than doing the jogging that's uh, or running that's involved in 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 what you just mentioned so uh and that's like my job as a coach is to is to look at the whole uh, like all the aspects of the sport and all the qualities like uh one of the hardest sessions we had limo was like uh, we need to do this session one more time it's really important and i was like Yes, it's important, but we also need to do this, 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 and this. And, and, and to make everything fit together, is it's, it's the most important part as a coach because like you could say, like running is really important. So you can only do your uh, threshold running and then you forget that you have to swim and bike at the same time. Uh, and it's not the same for every athlete.
0: What was that session that Lionel was like convinced he had to do again and and why did he think it was so important?
1: It was the longest, uh, trash, lower race pace session we had. So it was a uh, it was a seven hour day with swim, bike, and run uh, with Ironman intensity. And uh, yeah, I didn't expect them to to finish that really well. Like having to adjust, and he finished. But he he's an eager guy. He wants to to do it again to nail it hundred percent.
0: And so with with your like philosophy, right? and and like talking about it being largely dependent on the individual and what's right for them at the time and like how long they've been doing certain training approaches for and what race they're training for. Do you think that like can you, can you like adapt styles based on the person or is it just like subtle changes within the system that you use? Like for example, could you do – would you see one athlete and go, okay, well with him, we're going to do 20 hours a week and he's either going to be like doing everything super easy or he's going to be doing exclusively VO2 max stuff. And then could you look at another athlete and go, oh, well now with him, I'm going to do 30 to 35 hours a week and we're going to do lots of like threshold work or yeah, is, it, is, the, is the changes or like the differences between the individuals that you talk about, is it just subtle differences?
1: Uh, it would be different differences as you mentioned, uh, um, but it's more like if you have a really unfit person, I would say that it would be maybe even lower than twenty hours. Um, but the goal would be to be at basically the same level for everyone uh, towards the the end of the fitness scale. Like everyone would basically do 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 the same, and and that's where like the you need the the philosophy. Uh, you need to know the velocity if we and how to adjust and how to do everything and you need to know so much about nutrition as an athlete you need to so know so much about your sleeping and and all the intensity zones and how they affect each other as an athlete to be able to do the like the the hardest or like most developing and extreme training program and that's where for example, Lionel and colin has a huge disadvantage for example to Gustav and Christian uh, because they have lived the philosophy for so many years so like for Colin I need to teach him everything about pacing like pacing is is good but it needs to be cr- like ultimately really good and, and also every adjustment in every single session needs to be world leading to be able to do the best that we want it to be
0: When you say that every adjustment in every session needs to be world leading, what do you, what do you mean by that?
1: It's how to like, how do you look at your lactate number? How do you pace your swim set? And like a good athlete would pace a swim set really well, but for example, starting the first 52 seconds faster than the next 50 or one second, it's, it's not a bad thing, but is it a good thing? So all those small things add up to, to a lot of, uh, like improvements in, in a training week or a training month or, or a year and, and it's difficult to learn all or learn away all those stuff in like throughout through the internet or through, through training weeks you, you can't de- prescribe everything because you have to learn how to do it all yourself Like a like a good it doesn't it's not you can't do everything as a coach the athlete is the one doing everything so the athlete needs to to know everything also in to be able to do to do to do the best training possible. So now when we are together now we can do, discuss the training program and how how we need to do it. It's not like me making the training program and say, hello guys, this is what you gotta do the next uh, 14 days, uh talk to you then. Like it doesn't work like like that.
0: And do you guys um do other things? Like are you in the gym much? Do you do like a lot of strength work or um, like I sort of went to touch on before, but then we just start talking about about Christians uh, about Christians weight. Are you guys really obsessed with with your diet and nutrition? Um, do you like of those sort of like things? Those ones percenters per we we talked about briefly before. Are there are there a couple that that you guys really try and nail?
1: Uh, no strength training at all. Um, there is some stretching, which would mean uh, basically recovery training or just to it's not mobility training It's just like to keep the um, keep the blood flow and also the the keep the mobility and not develop it even further I would say Uh, so that's the only thing we do like out of swim bike and run Um, uh, but I think like we haven't nailed female athletes uh, which is I find really important to say we have had uh, good success with with one athlete and we have a few coming up but i wouldn't say like we have nailed the philosophy there i think we would need to have m- more knowledge about strength training but also there it would be in realizations like some females maybe won't need to do it but I, I guess a higher percentage of the athlete would have more benefit out of it and also doing more like strength work with with hills and and also like uh uh heavier gearing on the on the bike but that's not something that we see it's really important uh for for the guys that are are in our system
0: why why is it that you don't do strength work like um i guess lately there's like this this trend in endurance sport where for a brief period of time there's like these experts who um will like perpetuate this idea that this one specific thing is really important. Like for example, fasted training or eating high fat, low carb, or you have to do strength exercises. There's like, and and I think like the strength thing has been one of those things. Like there's so many of like these coaches who that's what they specialize in. And they'll, they'll tell you that you're not getting the most out of yourself as an endurance athlete or runner or a swimmer, a or cyclist, a or triathlete, unless you're doing strength training. So, what are what are the reasons behind you choosing not to do it? What like do you see that there may potentially be benefits to it, or do you just think that there really isn't any benefits as a as an endurance athlete?
1: It's I would it, it it would be down to a, like some athletes maybe needing it if there is some unbalance, which would be difficult to fix without doing specific work. But the goal is to be really good at swimming, biking, and running. So you need to spend time swimming, biking, and running because that's how you get get good at it uh, and take away like doing strength training would need would be to add in something else or take away, for example, running, and it's or biking, and it's it's not a goal to take away biking to do something else. You want to bike as much as possible and get the most benefits from it. So i think that's how how we look at it and if you do do those things right it's it's possible to become really good and like everyone can't run 100k's an hour so it's no point of trying to do 100k's an hour and then get injured and then think you need to do strength training and also with eating a lot of uh injuries uh i feel like is because of training more than more than you eat i would say you don't eat enough so you get uh uh injuries or you don't sleep and recover enough so i so I wouldn't say like strength training is the reason people get or the lack of strength training is the reason people get injured. It's it's because of a too high training load, uh when you look at it towards or compared to the to the recovery and also to to sleeping, sort of uh or eating. So it's I would say that's the biggest reason people get injured in my eyes.
0: And then um this reminds me, because this sounds a lot like uh well, that particular thing you're saying there is pretty much exactly what um, legendary triathlon coach uh, Brett Sutton talked to me about on, on the podcast, and it made me made me like think of a story he was telling, and 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 I want to see if you guys do anything like this. He does this thing every now and then with some athletes where he he thinks the athlete maybe isn't mentally tough enough or um, you know isn't quite ready for the demands of the race, so he'll just make them do like a hero session. And he got it he he got the idea from a couple of really old school famous Australian running coaches where. They would say to their like athletes, "All right, we're going to go do this 75k run today." And and so he started doing that with a few of his athletes. And he told a story about how he was in uh, Thailand one day with Belinda Granger, and he made her run 70k during the middle of the day, where it was like 30 to 40 degrees. Do you guys ever do like crazy one-off days where you do like a like a really long day, like a 10 hour ride, or you know a massive run, or combine the two, or or do you not do any days like that?
1: Like it it has been done uh, like during the Corona peri- period or in off season. I don't know if you've seen on Strava or, or uh, your YouTube, Christian and Gustav and them, they did like a 300k ride. So it's been done, but it's because uh, they think it's fun and they they like to train. Uh, but for us, it's more like if you, if you know what's coming in the training program, for example, a volume day. You know, you also have a threshold day, the coming days to train as much as possible on the volume day, uh, as much as possible in the sense that you're going to perform on the day after. And and this is what we teach our juniors, for example, on training camp, because they need to take responsibility of, of their own training. And if we come on a second threshold day and they are not able to perform, I ask them two simple questions. Did you sleep well? and if that's was okay they say okay then the next question is did you eat enough and then they're often like no i didn't eat enough before the session and then it's really simple to just track everything they do and they will take responsibility of the training because most uh, most often if people fail training is because they didn't recover enough uh, with sleeping or they didn't eat enough. Or it could be they trained too much the day before, uh, but it's mostly like sleeping or eating. So if you create a training system where you always have to be on top of it, it's really it makes a huge difference in the end. So we had one training camp with a national team this um, this winter, uh, three weeks with junior and a few senior athletes. And I, would, I think there was only one time one athlete didn't do the threshold sessions. Because and that's really unique. Like people getting too tired or overestimating themselves, but this was because they were really good at the recovery stuff. And then when you're able to do three weeks of really good training and not getting injured or not getting sick or uh, not doing some of the interval sessions, it would make a big, big difference towards the like when the years go by.
0: And with the with the sleeping and the eating. Do you guys have like a set number? Like, do you go well if you're in if you're part of the Norwegian system? We want you sleeping eight hours a night, or ten hours a night, or six hours a night. Um, and then with the eating, do you guys care what what your athletes are eating? Is it like are you big proponents of balanced eating, or you know do you follow sort of any diet rules, or is it is it sort of just hey just make sure you're eating enough and fueling your sessions right
1: um when it comes to sleeping i think there's a big big difference from person to person we have had one guy on a national team which maybe needs only six hours of sleep <laughs> and when you see him in the morning like didn't you sleep oh, i sleep really well and everything is fine so i think it's it's that's the individual how much people people need to sleep but get as much as as you as you need i would say uh and maybe a bit more uh when it comes to food uh we we eat normal breakfast norwegian food and uh normal dinners with meat and and vegetables and and carbs and then normal breakfast or or um or in the evening so and then in between you just have to eat so that you're able to perform so if that's uh bakery food or if it's uh, candy it doesn't for us make a huge difference but you should eat mostly what you get at dinner and, and breakfast and then add in uh, in between.
0: And then uh, really just one of my last questions, but with your guys running, when I, when I watch like YouTube videos of, of even Lionel, but particularly like Christian and Gustav and, and the other Norwegian boys, you seem to be doing a lot of running on tracks and, and you seem to do a lot of running in your, in your like race shoes are those two things true? Do they like make up a, a big part of your run training, like doing your threshold or faster than threshold work on the, on the track? And, and yeah, is like, is, is the reason why they seem to be in their race shoes all the time, just because they're like, well, they, they make me faster and they feel, and they're fun. So I wear them.
1: Um, when it comes to track, uh, like in Fontremont or for example, Sierra Nevada or here in Tucson, it's, it's not many other places, which is flat enough to do good sessions uh so then the only good place to do intervals would be on the track uh, uh but it's also very controllable it's easy for a coach to be there you can also have your stuff looking at it all the time and it's and it's fast and often more soft than a lot of tarmac uh running um so so track is a good good place to run when it comes to to shoes um yes uh i would say a lot of elite athletes uh, in triathlon and running use their carbon or ratios um, on on their fast or like threshold work uh but i was say ne- never almost never on on easy training and 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 long runs and and it's a good good thing to use if you have some itching or or you want to to change the um, stimulus a little bit if you don't want to work so much on the muscular endurance part you can use some soft race shoes or or the opposite uh so a lot of things i think use like trainers fast trainers on the first a few intervals and then they change the race shoes just to to mix it up i think that's the the normal thing now these days
0: and um i've got two more questions My my second last one is you talked about how you want to sort of create a training environment like the norwegian system for for Lionel and, and Colin and those guys. Are you like currently in discussions with anyone? Like do you want to get a few good guys into that group? Do you have ideas who you would like to to be part of that group? And do you sort of want to move away from the Norwegian system and, and like start your own group? And, and and if that if that is the case, who would you who would you pick and or who would you who would you most like to be part of that group?
1: Um I, I like to be part of the Norwegian national team and the group there is where i'm able to learn the most and develop most as a coach and it's a and and mostly it's a really fun group to be at now i've been talking english for for two weeks and uh, when i text home i always almost uh, text in english instead of norwegian so so i would like to be part of uh part of the norwegian group foremost um uh, but, uh, yeah, I haven't looked at uh, increasing the squad much. I would like to maybe go for more girls in the future uh, to, to challenge myself a bit more and, and, and develop more as a coach. Um, I feel I'm still young and there is lots more to learn and, and I'm involved with, yeah, may, not too much at the moment, but uh, keeping it uh, under control.
0: And then my, my last question is we've seen like two of the better performances in triathlon history from the Norwegian boys over the last two years, like with, with, with Gustav's 70.3 world champs win and then Christian's Ironman world champs win. Which of those two performances do you, do you think is the, the better one?
1: Ooh, difficult one. I think Gustav's performance last year was, uh, was <laughs> almost like ridiculous, that biking he did. And also on the run, I told him like uh, the first loop, like you have a big gap, you have no need to push. And he was like going steady. And then on the next loop, like, he was still increasing. I said like, dude, you you can relax now and no need to push. And He was like, am I increasing? I'm jogging. Uh, so so that was a really like yeah, a really really good performance. But looking at Christian's performance in Saint George, it was it was so steady, good. Uh, throughout the day Uh, he had been struggling with sickness throughout um, the preparation he he puked basically in every session because he was so dry in his uh, throat and I didn't see that coming I'm not sure if the performance was that great it's hard to say Uh, but because he was still like winning with with a massive gap but I would rather maybe say all real well Maybe I'll swallow my words at uh, World Champs this year, but I would say that it was a good performance, but there is much more to come in, in Ironman for the future.
0: Um, is Gustav going to go and defend his 70.3 World Championships if he wins or loses at Kona? Uh,
1: yeah, he wants to make it three in a row. Jesus.
0: Do you think he can do that? Is it is there any chance Gustav could do the double, could do the, the Ironman World Champs, get the win, and, and then go still back up and, and win the 70.3 Worlds a couple of weeks later?
1: It would be stupid to go into the competitions and say it's not possible. Um, so it's it's definitely possible, um, but it's uh, going to be really hard. I
0: love this attitude you guys have, and it's it speaks to when we were talking about the the after parties. Like why they're stupid because you're you're already looking at the next thing that you can go and win. But you really like you really just do have this approach that that no one has ever had in triathlon before. Like where it's like it's like a why not approach or it's like a why can't we approach where you'll try and win the Olympics and then the world championships and the 70.3 world championships. And two weeks later, you know, go and do the sub seven project. And like, you just like, you just race so much and, and like, you just try and win like every big race that there is out there to win. Like no one is close to Christian and Gustav in like the PTO rankings, for example, because they just, they just go, Oh, there's a big race. Let's go and win that. And it's like, it's a crazy approach that no one has ever taken to triathlon before. Like triathletes historically have like gone like, okay, I've got this one or maybe two big races in the year and they're what I'm going to target all of my training around. But, but you guys are like changing the game where you'll, you'll go and try and win like 10 big races every year. Is that like by design or is it just that you love like as, as a group, do you just love like racing and competing and being the best?
1: I think it's just a natural progression, uh, um like this history when no one was able to go under the four minute mile and suddenly one guy did it and it was done every weekend since. Uh so I think it's that's a little bit of the approach in, in triathlon. Like maybe it was possible 15 years ago, but no one did it. Uh and also the knowledge have been like increasing so much the last, I would say four or five years. Uh, in in all sports and with uh, altitude and heat, so everything is developing so fast now. And if you're able to be on top of everything that's happening, it's, it's possible. Uh, it's just that now it's Gustav and Christian, uh, which is in the forefront of it. And uh, there is a lot of incre- incredible athletes in short course and long course, and, and, and coaches, which do really good. But at the moment, it's it's these guys that are the best.
0: Do you think when it's all said and done, one of Christian and Gustav will, will go down as the greatest triathlete to ever do it?
1: I think um, maybe not everyone would agree, but what Christian have been doing the last year is I would say the greatest performance uh, in triathlon ever and would be the greatest male athlete uh, ever as it is of now.
0: Better than Jan Fredino or, or Alistair Brownlee?
1: Uh, I feel like it, yeah.
0: I love that. I love that. Hey, that's a good note to end on, uh, Mikael. Thank you so much for your time and for, for spending an hour late at night over there for you for you chatting with me. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been waiting to talk to someone inside the Norwegian camp for a long time and uh, yeah, you're you're like the guy um, and, and I think like you're so early in your coaching career but you've already got like some, some of the biggest names in the sport under your belt and and with everything you were just saying there, it's, it's no surprise why. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really keen to, to watch your personal progression as a coach and, and see what you can do because, like, the sky's the limit with you, for you with how young you are in this sport and, and what you're already doing. So, yeah, thanks for giving me your time, mate, and I, I really appreciate it.
1: Likewise. Thank you for having me.
0: This week's episode of How They Train was brought to you by ASICS. If you liked the sound of the brand new Metaspeed Sky Plus and want to try it in your training or for your next race, then head to ASICS.com and get yourself a pair now.